Today is a very exciting day. Tonight I'm seeing one of my favorite bands. And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy. I don't go out much, Shepherd. And this is <laughs> uh, Mitchell Manley, live music enthusiast. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a live music re- enthusiast. I stand behind that. Yeah, and you go out like a lot more often to shows than I do. Um, sometimes I have an excuse in the fact that um, I have a small child and she can't she can't go to bars yet. Mm-hmm. Which I'm always like, if we're walking around the block, I'm like, nope, we can't go there. That's a bar, honey. You, you can't go in there. They're smoking. And then she goes on a rant about how smoking's bad. And I was like, oh, I've brainwashed you perfectly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, live music is amazing. I realized when I was, um, when I guess you gave this suggestion, I don't go out much specifically for shows. And I try to. But I'm usually showing up places where shows are already happening that I didn't know were happening. Right. Does that makes sense. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, like you said, you have a you have a child and you also have a, a pretty strenuous job. And so, you know, it's 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 not like we can expect you to show up at all the rock shows. But, you know, whenever you can plan it and, and, and plan ahead and come out for the stuff that you really support, we appreciate that. Yeah, I I really, like, I really, you know, as she gets older and Dakota thinks that eight is fine enough to leave her home alone overnight, but honestly, (laughs) I think that might be pushing it. I Um, think so too, just a little. I'm thinking, so um, I'm still going to be paying babysitters to go out to do stuff where we just do things separately, but I mean, well, let's just face it, right now we're not leaving the house, which is the point of this, what's the last thing that we listened to before the the whole world started melting around us, right? Right, yeah, like what what was the last band that you got to see live before basically live shows have been shut down uh, because of the coronavirus and like who knows when they're going to come back. You know, originally in Memphis, I think the High Tone was supposed to be opening up sometime this month, but now uh, the the government officials are, are not opening up that third wave of, of reopenings, and so I don't think that the music venues are going to be opening back up. And whenever they do actually open back up, it's still going to be so different and, and just completely whole new world from, from what shows were before all this happened. So, Wait, we're not opening up at the third wave right now? Uh, I don't believe so because... Uh, COVID cases continue to go up, continue to increase. And I saw a news article that said that uh, at the end of the week, they're going to make the call, but it seems like... They aren't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it seems like if if uh, the, the numbers continue to go up, which they have done every single they week... They drastic... Yeah, they yeah, also... That, that it feels like drastically. Th- yeah, they're not going to go through with the reopening. Uh, Thank if, goodness. Hopefully. Yeah, that makes me so much happier because I was, uh, you know... We're still recording remotely. We still haven't seen each other in yeah, like exactly. what, two or three months. Yeah, I mean, that's so, about right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, that it seems reasonable. Um, what is the last show you saw? I got to see Dan Deacon, and so I brought his song "Sat by a Tree."
idea. The last show I saw before quarantine was Dan Deacon at the Basement East in Nashville. It was easily one of the best and most fun live shows I've ever seen. Uh, most of Dan's music is made with synthesizers and samplers and noise generators. And it's all heavily processed and composed in the studio. So for his live shows, he uses a program called Ableton Live that allows him to like load in a track that has all his samples and noises. And he cues them and manipulates them in real time when he's playing. Uh, and he also has like a lighting rig hooked into his controllers and he creates this really intense and colorful psychedelic light show to go along with his weirdo psychedelic electro noise pop. And then on top of this like insane sound and light rig, he also occasionally tours with a live bassist and drummer, which I was lucky enough to see at this show. And that extra low end just really makes things extra heavy and immersive. And Dan Deacon's beats are, are often very elaborate and kind of tribal sounding. So having live drums playing along and sometimes even like playing something in counterpoint to the program drums, it just makes the rhythm section pound so hard. You just can't help but move around and dance. And that kind of leads me to, to what the real fun of a Dan Deacon show is, audience participation. Uh, he likes to play little games with the audience and he likes to get people moving around and dancing. Um, you know, After all, without the backup band, it's just him, a laptop, and some crazy lights. So he keeps it super fun by having the audience like open up a big circle in the middle and then he'll pick two people to have a dance off in the middle and they'll dance for like 10 seconds and then they leave the circle and tag someone else in. And so the whole audience ends up participating in this like dance off. And he also did a, uh, a sort of human tunnel thing where he like got everyone on one side of the room and had two people stand face to face with their hands kind of clasped together overhead to make like a little arch between them. And then he would have audience members go under the arch and when they went under, they would stand next to the people making the arch and make a second arch and then a third <laughs> arch and so on. So that by like 20 or 30 seconds in, people are going through this little human tunnel and making it longer when they get to the end of it. And by the end of it, the tunnel just stretched out the back door of the venue and back in through another door and went all along the wall of the entire venue hall. It's just so immersive and, and participatory with like the really dense electronic music and the real bass and the real drums, crazy lights, just the most fun I've had at a show in a really, really long time. I'm very lucky that that was my, my last one before quarantine. That sounds like a blast. Can I bring roller skates? I mean, I imagine as long as you're making sure to, to stay safe and not putting anyone else at risk and only your own neck at risk with those roller skates, I think you'd be okay. <laughs> It'd be pretty fun to like roller skate through the, the human tunnel. Wouldn't it? It'd be so much fun. And you'd get it done like super fast, which isn't the point. But granted, we're not going to be roller skating through human tunnels anytime soon. Sure. Because I don't know if you know this, that's definitely not social distancing. <laughs> yeah, that is not. That's not even trying to social distance. That's almost like guaranteeing you get coronavirus. Um, I am going to admit that until just now, uh, when you were explaining this, because I don't read most of the notes you write beforehand, that I confused Dan Deacon with Dan Reader. And I was like, wow, this sounds so different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely much different. Yeah, so... Um, Definitely, definitely not Dan Reader, but almost kind of as DIY, but more, um, I guess, software-wise, and it's really, really cool. There's so many layers, and it's upbeat beyond reason. Uh, I think it's about, like, being okay with the passage of time and possibly dying. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was watching the video, too, and it's a person getting eaten by worms. Um, 
I think I have also wandered wandered into the East End before at some point. Uh, much like I said earlier, I've shown up at places that had shows that I didn't necessarily plan to go to. So I, uh, yeah, I was like, I think I've been there, and that seems like a really cool place to, um, you know, have this kind of experience of like holding hands and making a human tunnel and stuff. I don't know. It seems nice. And just to kind of like, uh, what makes it even this extra touch cooler, but also kind of sad is that, uh, this the show was on March 1st, uh, in Nashville, March 2nd in Nashville, the very next day, a tornado hit basement East and demolished it. And so I, I saw the last show that happened at basement East before it got hit by a tornado. Holy, you know what? I just forgot. I completely forgot that Nashville had already a massive tornado. This has been a long three months already. That's so That's true. Insane. There's so much happening. Like maybe, maybe towards the summer, um, it might chill out. I don't know. There's, there's just a lot of conversation going on, and we gotta. There's a lot going on right now, and we all gotta kind of like wrap our heads around, and maybe like take take a deep breath to stand back. But I'm glad you got to see. An insane show that was super um, collaborative with the artists. Yeah. For the last show, at like, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, wow, super cool. My story is not nearly that cool. Um, so the last show that I intentionally left the house to go see was Ben Ricketts, and so I brought his song "Fell in Love at 22." I'm not a massive goer outer and I'm pretty sure we did go out like February 14th you know typical stuff um February 14th or 13th or something like that in February uh for like a night out but then we ended up going to the Black Lodge which had another show but that's one of those things where I showed up somewhere and there was a show going and I can't remember who it was but Ben Ricketts I freaking love his music and so I was with absolute intention going to the PNH, like I'd even worn my clothes that I didn't care, got all smoked out, um, to see Risky Whispers and Ben Ricketts. And I like love both of their sounds. And I also got introduced to Risky Whispers at that point, And it just made me really, really happy. It was great. I got progressively more and more drunk and walked home. And it was so much fun and happy. And like, I really loved getting around like all of that, um, the local music and actually intentionally going to a show for the sake of listening to the music. So I was super excited. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, and if you're going to go out and see a show in Memphis, Ben Ricketts is probably one of the best ones you can see for your money. Uh, I could probably spend mm-hmm. the rest of this show talking about Ben Ricketts just as a person <laughs> and then just do a whole show dedicated to just his music. And then I could probably do another episode just entirely on his live shows. Ben is just so insanely talented. And with, I think, 12 releases under his belt, uh, also one of the most prolific musicians that I know. Uh, I can vividly remember the first time I ever saw and met Ben Ricketts. Uh, it was at the Greenlight Festival in Jackson back in 2016. Both of my bands had already played. And as night fell, I was I was excited to see what sort of great bands were scheduled for those later hours in the evening. You know, they usually put the heavy hitters toward the end of the night. So I saw lots of really great bands that I knew that were slotted in. But somewhere in the middle of all these bands, I saw the name Ben Ricketts. And I thought to myself, well, I've never heard of this dude. Like, why are they putting a solo act in the middle of all these full bands? <laughs> uh, but I thought, well, maybe he just like maybe he's got a backup band. He just performs under his name, you know, as the front man. But you know, that also kind of sounds like maybe a country act or something. That wouldn't really fit in. This is kind of strange. What the fuck is a Ben Ricketts? So <laughs> uh, whenever the time came, I saw this very slight young man, meek, bespectacled, but he had these tight kitty cat leggings and like black and white face paint. And he had this straw scarecrow hat and he was setting up his laptop and, and guitar gear. And he just covered the stage and like a psychedelic looking stage decor. He had this huge cut out of a face that he drew and like colored in it looked almost influenced by like some picasso-esque cubism influence or something like that he had like a crazy mannequin that he would sing to and dance with he put up a bunch of tapestries draped about i can't remember if he had the toys at that show but uh, i've seen him just litter the stage with little toys and knickknacks uh the point is he just creates this beautiful trippy playful atmosphere before he even played a note and then just proceeded to croon some of the most brilliantly composed psychedelic indie pop that I've ever heard in my life. Uh, me and all my friends were just instantly enamored with him, immediately harassed him after the show uh, with our love and attention whenever he got off stage. And I'm so stoked to say that he's since become one of my best buds in the world. Memphis is so blessed that he now calls our city home of all places. So uh, we love you, Ben. Thank you for providing great music. And so much joy. And I mean, I feel like this is probably like the most fan servicey selection I've ever made before. Sure. Because I love his music so much. Uh, I'm so glad he listens to our show. I feel special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, of course, all our ear buddies are special. And I, I'm, I kind of learned some stuff this week, but we'll get into that. Uh, Courtney is our first ear buddy. And she brought all them winch- witches one by one.
Courtney says, it was my second time seeing all them witches and it was phenomenal. It's now a tradition to see them at Exit Inn on New Year's Eve weekend. Here's hoping that maybe you can see them at Exit Inn New Year's yeah. Eve weekend this year. Yeah, so it took me a minute to like delve into the song because I'm like chilling out listening to it and I'm like, wait, 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 I might actually need to like look up these lyrics because they might be important. Uh, they... It's kind of vague enough that it can apply to this week because this week is this is a very interesting week in history. Mm -hmm. um, but the part where it says stop killing, start growing, uh, I felt really resonated with me. And if you make vague enough lyrics, like, of course, you'll be able to apply them, especially when you you're, you know, very good lyrics, like very poignant. Um, I don't know what the whole thing is meant to be about, but I found that it was just really important to for me to hear this song this week. Um, we got to put one foot in front of the other and, you know, like start growing and stop killing each other and, you know, learning and listening. That's what we need to do. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm way into that interpretation of this song, uh, especially on a week like this. Um, but yeah, all, all, all Them Witches is a Nashville band. They've been around for a little while now. And I, I had kind of quit paying much attention to them after I heard them a little bit back in like 2016. Uh, but this is one of their newest songs, and it's just crushing. Uh, definitely upped their game since the last time I listened to them. They got the super heavy sludgy riffs and the atmospherics, but they got like some melodic Allison Chainsy harmony vocals and the talky, shouty, poetic vocals. It's not quite what I'd call sunshine sludge, but that grungy melodic influence is definitely way up my alley. Uh, I also saw that my buddy Mikey Allred at Dark Art Audio in Nashville was the one who did the mastering on the song, uh, which means that the band themselves recorded it, recorded it and did like the basic mixing, but Mikey put all the fi final touches on it, made it real huge sounding, makes it where it rattles your windows, you know. And so now Mikey is working with them again on their full length, uh, which he tracked for them at the Abbey Road Studio in london so shout out to all them witches doing big things over in nashville shout out to my buddy mikey uh who i've recorded and played shows with several times he's an incredible audio engineer just an incredible dude so i'm super stoked that he got to work out at abbey road and i'm really excited to hear what that that new all them witches full length sounds like Ooh, you know sometimes we like throw some shade at nashville but maybe some good things happen from nashville you know they do sometimes Right. Well, it's worth driving to a Dan Deacon show for, True. which maybe the next time he's doing one, I'll go and see it. And maybe Dan Reader, maybe I'll go see him, but he doesn't really do shows. Correct. Right? Yeah. Debbie, she brought Taco Cat's The Joke of Life. says my last show was taco cat at growlers mitchell was there 
first of all, Taco Cat came to Memphis. Like, I'm pretty sure they're a Seattle band, and like that's what I know of them from. Their music is so freaking poppy and fun, and it instantly makes you want to dance around and just enjoy the jangliness. And like, it's a legit bop. I think I first got introduced to them during um, one of TBTL's Song of the Summers, like uh, their competitions. So I was just like, yes, I love Taco Cat. And of course, the joke of life just fits perfectly in and I love it and it makes me happy even though it's a serious song right uh, I think one of my favorite things about Taco Cat is that their name is a palindrome Taco Cat spelled backwards is Taco Cat so I think that's the most important thing to, to point out here um but yes that that show that show was so amazing uh it was a band called AJJ headlining who I do enjoy but I was actually way more excited about all the opening bands that night. Uh, we had Memphis's own Maddie Caldwell, who plays these super catchy, folksy indie pop songs on a banjo. Uh, then we had Emperor X, who I've brought to the show before. He's a solo songwriter who uses a lot of experimental electronics and like really intimate lyrics, likes to get the audience involved. I, I remember he got out into the middle of the crowd and did a song like standing in the middle of everyone at one point. Really fun. And then Taco Cat came on and just became this like pop punk, you know, or, or like punk rock indie pop dance party. Lots of happy, upbeat songs with snarky lyrics. Lots of that subliminal tambourine hypnosis, as my buddy Josh Stevens would say. Uh, you know, that tambourine is just subtly shaking in the background of everything. And it makes every song feel like a party, even if you don't notice the tambourine. And, you know, I don't want to downplay AJJ, who headlined. They used to be a funk, uh, a folk punk band called Andrew Jackson Jihad. Uh, after doing that for several years, they transitioned into something a little more indie rock, a little more experimental. So they ditched the long, politically charged name in favor of the initials AJJ. They've been kind of redefining themselves since then. Um, I know ear buddy Justin Wright is a fan of AJJ, and I dig him too, but I have to admit that it was all about those opening acts that night. Taco Cat was especially fun. Am I right that they're from Seattle? Uh, Taco Cat, yes. They're really a big band for Growlers, isn't it? I mean, aren't they? I mean, Growlers Growlers started pulling in pretty decent, you know, uh, B-level act. So, AJJ was a, a... They're pretty big in, like, the indie rock scene, and so... Oh. Uh, Taco Cat's also pretty big in that in that scene in that same scene. So okay, I'll give a give a. I've I've still yet to go into Growlers as Growlers. I used to go to it when it was the High Town, but you know, I haven't been there for a hot minute. Yeah, the yeah yeah. yeah growlers went through a, a little period there where it wasn't the greatest place to be, but from what I understand, the the management that's running it right now is is pretty legit. Okay, so. yeah. I mean, I assume. Definitely give yeah, them a I chance. assume Taco Cat probably wouldn't go to a place where I heard the rumors. You know, we aren't going to talk shit here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Michael F is our next ear buddy who brought Ma Massive Attack's Unfinished Sympathy.
Michael says, the last concert I went to was Massive Attack. Given the greatness of the band, it was a slightly underwhelming concert. Unfinished Sympathy is still one of the greatest songs, but the video is flat out weird. I didn't know about Massive Attack until I watched House MD and they have like that really good like intro where it's ding ding ding. You know, I'm not good at the, the singing part, <laughs> but the synth game is so perfect here and like all the rhythms and sounds just make me, it's just like super smooth and amazing and there's such depth and breadth to the sound and the synth and I just, it's a very, um, I guess it's a massive attack on your ears, but it's subtle and enjoyable. Um, and I think, so here's, I, I should have looked it up, but do they have different singers for like all their songs? Uh, yeah, they, they usually bring in different collaborators that will, will come and, and do stuff on, you know, they have some that frequently contribute, uh, but yeah, it's, it's always different vocalists for the most part. Yeah. So I, I learned something about them this week and I was pretty happy and they're not just like the house theme song. <laughs> right yeah uh massive attack they've been around since like the late 80s early 90s uh one of the biggest names in what came to be known as trip hop which also includes the band Portishead, uh as well as the producer tricky all of whom including massive attack were based out of bristol england where that electronic scene was kind of mixing with the hip-hop scene and so you end up with like spacey atmospherics over this down tempo hip-hop beats and all the producers in that scene were collaborating and over time developed this very dense, very chill form of music. Uh, still has enough beat to nod your head to. Uh, I found a quote from one of the guys of Massive, Massive Attack saying it's it's essentially dance music for your head instead of dance music for your feet, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. Um, like you said, most folks will probably know Massive Attack for their song Teardrop, which was the theme song for House. Uh, and you've probably heard uh, some of their other songs in passing as well. Um, this song is actually their first single off their debut record, Blue Lines, which is considered the first real trip-hop album. Uh, it's got the break beats and the sampling from hip-hop, but it mixes rapping with like chilled-out female vocals and even just dramatic talk singing, kind of like reading poetic lines over the music. It's really progressive sound at the time, and like trip-hop has since kind of informed tons of other genres and styles. Uh, you know, the lo-fi hip-hop that you listen to on the Chilled Cow mm -hmm. thing is all like super influenced by the trip-hop genre and the whole Bristol, England uh, trip-hop scene. So Massive Attack is just massively important band, and I'm super jealous that Michael got to see him, even if it was a little underwhelming. I would never have guessed that they were 80s, 90s. Would never have. Yeah, I think they formed in 88. This record came out in 90 or 91. It doesn't sound like it's almost my age. It does. Right, yeah. Yeah. So it's, oh, they're so good. I love the way they make music. Uh, granted, I, I do like my, my lo-fi. Um, Lauren is our next ear buddy, and she brought Raining Sounds, I Walk By Your House. And I still wonder if it was When I walk by your house Yes, but you're not home You call me on the telephone Every night To tell me I'm still alright You're still i 
I drove all the way to Cleveland to see Jeremy play bass in Raining Sound. It was really hard to pick one song for this because I love so many of them. But hey, here's some with some really relevant uh, lines. It doesn't take time and only takes money to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And get ahead and people will feed you a lot of bullshit and try to tell you you're a man. So, first of all, I didn't know this was a, another ear buddy. But our ear buddies are super talented. Uh, Jeremy, mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure he did not submit a raining, uh, um, a, uh, a raining sound song when we asked for songs by our listeners, and I'm very disappointed in him. But this this song like perfectly conveys nostalgia and sadness, and it's so hard to make that. And he does, he does like a heck of a job, the singer does. And like, I've fallen down a hole and I might have listened to like three or four of their songs um, while like just enjoying it. And I, I, I mean, it's just a really good band and I, I'm really glad to have found out about it and it's amazing. And yeah, also the bootstrap thing, um, cause you know, we always say lift yourself up by your bootstraps, but of course it's money that makes that a whole heck of a lot easier and of course that goes into the uh, they'll tell you a lot of bullshit and then try to tell you your man it's it's a very relevant song i thought it was really good true story mm-hmm. uh yeah so for, for those who don't know raining sound is a garagey rock band from here in memphis uh fronted by a fellow named greg cartwright and uh, our ear buddy jeremy scott was on bass Uh, They've been playing in spurts and with some rotating members since about 2001, and I believe they're back together with the original lineup fully intact, featuring Jeremy on bass, and they just played uh, a little run of shows earlier this year, and and Lauren pointed out that really amazing lyric uh, about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, and Jeremy mentioned just being floored when he heard that line in the studio, which I can totally imagine uh, Greg Cartwright such an such an amazing songwriter has a voice that just makes you want to savor every word that he sings and especially live they're all just so charismatic and cool and and just a brilliant band to watch uh, i'm so glad that they got to play some shows before all this went down because uh, they truly are a memphis gym you know uh, in in music history and, and they deserve a little bit more recognition for their influence in the garage rock scene like you know, especially like Greg Cartwright, his other band, The Oblivions. Uh, if it wasn't for for The Oblivions and some of those other similar garage rock bands, there'd be no Goner rock, you know, Goner record scene around here. And so, you know, as much shit as I talk about some of the stuff that comes out of that <laughs> scene, a lot of it is really amazing, and it's pretty great that that whole scene is kind of uh, centered here in Memphis, just out of a weird record shop that someone opened up. You know, I was just like, sorry, I yawned. Um. Not nothing was boring. I was just sleepy. Um, I I don't know. I just I didn't know that garage rock, rock ugh, garage rock was so important to Memphis. 
until like I guess uh, Lauren started bringing more songs and I learned a lot more about Goner Records which I always thought was like something that was happening but I didn't even know how close it was to the house like I thought it was downtown. Our next year buddy is Jacques who brings wires a touching display. Suffering in silence, our eyes give it away. So close as we part, a touching display. Coloring my thoughts, predominantly gray and fighting bravely. I saw Wire, one of my absolute North Star bands, for the second time. Everybody, Charlie Z was there, along with a bunch of other Nashville, Memphis, and Louisville friends, and it was an incredible show. This makes me, like, totally channel dark jazz. Like, so much. It's so very dark jazzy, and it's quiet and contemplative, and I could listen to this on repeat for, like, days, and for a... um, For a six minute song, this is how you make like a six, seven minute song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember Jacques and some other ear buddies submitted Wire a while back for another episode about bands that we had seen live. And I was super into what I heard. And I remember the other song being like really upbeat post punk with like some noisy elements, which I loved. But I was delighted to hear this song, which is like completely different from what I expected from the last time I heard them. Uh, it's much more sparse and starts out very spacey and atmospheric, gets heavier and louder until that like biased out fuzz pedal kicks in. Almost sounds like some proto stoner doom, like slow and sludgy with like the heavy tribalistic drumming. Uh, it's, it's especially surprising to find out that this song was initially released in 1979. Uh, I would not have imagined anything that sounded like this in 1979. You know, you could, you could take an excerpt from the, from the middle of this song and I'd almost swear it's something more contemporary, like, you know, neurosis or some other contemporary doom band like that, which is saying a lot considering that, you know, the other stuff that I heard from wire was nothing like this. And so I'm just enamored with any band that kind of shirks genre and, and just makes emotional and effective music in whatever form feels right at any given time. And so now I'm just like super jealous. I didn't get to go with them when they went, cause I'm definitely overdue for a deep dive into wire. And uh, this one definitely blew me away. I guess like, uh, I'm, I guess the previous song we had featured with Wire did not sound at all like this because this definitely did not sound familiar, um, which I thought it was really good. I wouldn't have called it Doom because I don't think it's Doomy, though. But I guess Dark Jazz is Doomy, too, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Definitely so. Our final ear buddy is Metal Johnny, who brings Weed Eater's Wizard Fight. Wizard Fight!
says, we've all seen them more times than we can count. Weed Eater never has let me down live. I appreciate that they really just get right on down to the nitty gritty and point out that this song is called Wizard Fight. And they go, Wizard Fight! And I just thought it was really great. And these are also much harder wizards than like Gandalf, which I know is kind of hardcore. Okay, come on. But this is like some (laughs) next level like Willow shit. And I just, that's the kind of wizard fighting I can totally get down with. And this song is, you know, the like final scenes, like the final wizard fight, uh, wizard fights, which were so, uh, makes me just want to watch Willow. It's a really good movie. <laughs> Willow is very, very good. I like Warwick Davis. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've seen Weed Eater probably six times now. Uh, I've even opened up for them with my own band a time or two. I try to catch them every time they come to Memphis, but I did miss them last time, unfortunately. Uh, they are an incredible live band, though. They're a three-piece, really loud, bombastic drums. The guitars and bass are run through gigantic cabinets and massive amplifiers so that every riff and every little turnaround is just a kick in the chest, and they just pummel you into the ground with these righteous bass lines. Uh, normally, they do have vocals, but this song is instrumental other than just screaming, Wizard fight at the beginning uh and i think that that's really all that's necessary because this song just like absolutely sounds like an epic battle between mystical wizards like firing magical projectiles at each other and and raising a ruckus uh like johnny said they're a mainstay among our circle of like metalhead friends never let me down they've been touring and playing shows for decades now they're just as loud and insane every single time you just can't argue with that sort of consistency they've not only mastered their musical craft but they've also perfected the art of like presenting it in a live setting and they're easily one of the best heavy bands around wizard fight sorry (laughs) it's it's really i i actually understood the lyrics on the first try i was pretty proud of myself (laughs) Um, so of course there's a lot going on in the world. I understand it's like hard, but if you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at us anything. You can tweet at us stuff that you want us to retweet. Um, you can tweet at Mitchell. I'm at pow. I gotcha. I'm at Madam Woolite and the show is at END pod. You can join the conversation over at earbuds and earworms podcast group, and you can always leave a voicemail at. 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email the show with any of your sketchy scams at endpod at gmail.com. And you can always check out the show where I think I finally figured out how to post the audio appropriately and consistently. endpod.com, part of the 10710 network. What's our final song this week? So I'm going to leave us, uh, I'm going to give our final slot to Josh T, who brought the band Partner and their song Everybody Knows. Uh, He mentioned going to see the band Titus Andronicus, who are a really great like indie, post-punk, art rock band. Uh, and, And Joshua submitted some really cool live footage of them, but he mentioned that this band Partner opened up the show and blew him away. And although this song may not be treading any novel ground, uh, it definitely blew me away as well, just being so perfectly catchy and, and drawing on those like 90s alt-rock vibes that I love so much. And lyrically, it's this hilarious take on the idea that like when you're stoned in public, everybody knows you're high. And so when I realized that this like perfectly catchy jam was singing about something silly like being stoned in public, I was just instantaneously hooked and figured it was you know catchy and accessible enough to go out on this week. So thanks to all the ear buddies who shared their last live show with us this week, and we hope that you enjoy this one. One from Joshua T's last show. Here's Partner with their song, Everybody Knows.
How's that?